Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we're going to move back into the world of philosophy. And we're going chronologically with the philosophy. But in this episode, I don't want to go into any philosopher in particular. Uh, instead, what I want to do is talk about something that is more general in philosophy at, at the time period that we're up to. Um, instead of you know trying to go back and forth between different philosophers between the polytheistic and the monotheistic traditions. Uh, I just want to talk about some of the elements of both of them and how there are kind of major transitions between polytheism and monotheism that don't happen all at once and don't happen uniformly, um, but they do happen. And there are very different uh, political, social, cultural, and individual uh, impacts that occur when society moves from one type of system to another. So first I want to talk a little bit about polytheism. Now one of the things about polytheism, and we're in the in the uh, time period of the Roman Empire, if you remember, we talked about the uh, Stoics. Um, and in the Roman Empire, polytheism was not as uniform, and no polytheism ever is. Uh, this is one of the things about polytheism that really sets it apart from monotheism. Uh, within the Roman uh, polytheistic tradition, within the Greek tradition, within the Celtic tradition, within the Norse tradition, within the Egyptian, uh, the Persian, uh, there are multiple gods and goddesses. And so everyone doesn't necessarily focus on the same god or goddess. Uh, this will vary. Now you will have probably the one that is uh, considered the uh, prime god or goddess of your uh, city or your region, uh, for example. Uh, in Athens, Athena was the main goddess um, because the city was named for Athena. So you would have that, but within Athens itself, you would have different people focusing on different gods and for different uh, reasons. You know, if they were trying to have a child, they would be appealing more to fertility gods. If they were trying to um, write poetry, they would, uh, you know, appeal to the muses. So there's differences as far as it is not a uniform system the way monotheism is. Uh, in the Roman Empire, when the Roman Empire, when the Greek Empire, when the Persian Empire, uh, Egyptian Empire, when they took over other sections, they weren't as worried about conversion of the people that they conquered as they were about obedience. Uh, as long as the people they conquered were obedient, paid the taxes, paid the tributes to the uh, religious temples, uh, the people were more or less left alone religiously. Um, so there wasn't a big push to, you have to convert now to, uh, you know, Roman polytheism because Rome has conquered you. Um, now there were some uh, sects within Roman polytheism and some monotheistic sects like Christianity and Judaism that were persecuted. But often they were persecuted because they were seen as um, troublemakers. They were seen as something that was kind of introducing undesirable elements into the Roman way of doing things. Um, and they were also seen as uh, outsiders, uh, minorities. And this is one of the things that you see to this day. Uh, you will see whenever you have a culture that is 
a majority of one thing, whether it's a religion, a race, whatever it is, and there are minority populations in there, the minority populations tend to get scapegoated. Uh, one example of this in the Roman Empire is when um, it's pretty much believed that Nero started the fire and burned down large parts of Rome. Uh, the first thing that Nero did afterwards to kind of deflect blame away from himself was to blame the Christians for it and say, oh, the Christians caused this fire. Now, part of what the Christians were doing was they were separate. They refused to acknowledge the Roman emperors as being part gods. They refused to pay tributes. They, um, Even in the early days when they were uh, a very small minority, it was a big part of the Christian beliefs to try to convert people. And this was something that was seen as uh, dangerous. And so, again, since they were a minority population, uh, anytime something went wrong, they would be persecuted. Same thing with the, the Jews. You know, this is the same thing that happens uh, to the Jews in the Middle Ages and later in, in Europe. You know, when the uh, bubonic plague comes along, when uh, different catastrophes come along, uh, it's always the Jewish population, if there's a small Jewish population anywhere near, uh, that got the blame for that. Um, you know, if you look into more contemporary politics in the United States, you'll notice there's a lot of uh, blame being directed towards immigrants or towards Muslims or towards uh, secularists or, or towards different areas to kind of uh, shift the blame away from uh, the people in charge and to kind of put it on a population that is uh, isolated and easier to direct the anger. So under polytheism, you still had a little bit of that, but you didn't have the major conversions. Uh, this, this wasn't the goal of military conquest. They weren't conquering lands so that they can convert people to Roman ideology, to Roman religion. They were conquering lands so they could tax them, get resources, um, get slaves. Uh, you know, it was about wealth. It was about power. Um, when you uh, have the power system under polytheism, uh, you we talked about this a little earlier when we talked about power, uh, the polytheists generally would connect their uh, emperor, their king, to divine bloodlines. So the divine, the, the emperor or the kings would be, you know, demigods. They would be partially God, partially human. Uh, and this was done to keep the hierarchy clear. You know, if you're a regular person, you can't challenge the king or the emperor. You're only a human. Uh, and then below the emperor or the king, you had the aristocracy under the polytheistic systems. And generally under that, you only had one other class uh, under the aristocracy, which would be the slaves. Uh, you would have very little aside from that. Um, the Even the artisans would be lower level aristocrats usually. Um, in the lower tiers. Now, in um, social circles uh, in, under polytheism, uh, again, you have a very different um, philosophy towards life, philosophy towards society. Uh, most of the polytheistic religions, uh, especially when you get in outside of Rome and get into the northern European ones, or you get into the uh, Greeks and the Romans and the Persians and the uh, Egyptians, they had a very um, close connection to nature. Uh, 
Everything in nature was seen as significant. Um, nature wasn't just this thing to be owned and possessed. Um, the Celtic religions uh, in, in large parts of Europe actually believed things like trees and stones and um, you know inanimate objects uh, had uh, souls. They had spirits. They were connected spiritually to everything else. Um, in the Celtic religions especially, you see a lot of, if you study any of the uh, polytheistic religions that survived longer, you kind of see a lot of parallels. Um, the Celts wouldn't have been as, uh, wouldn't have been uh, too far distant from the indigenous people in the Americas as far as religious beliefs. Um, but again, the Celts, like the indigenous peoples in America, were not one uniform religion. Um, this is one thing under polytheism you don't see. You don't have one leader of the religion completely, except for whatever the highest god in the, um, you know, the, the category of gods happens to be. Um, you don't have that hierarchy of religion uh, tied to one centralized unifying um, power. Uh, this is something that comes along in monotheism. When Constantine converts to Christianity, uh, one of the things that he does is he tries to make it a unified Christianity. So he calls together the Council of Nicaea. He has um, discussions about what should be the beliefs. You know, and they, they kind of lay down, if you're a Christian, these are the things you should believe, things like the Trinity. They also set down which of the religious texts are actually religious texts and holy, and which of them are just stories and should be dis discarded. So under Constantine, you not only get a sort of unification of all Christians should now be believing these things and only reading these scriptures, these these testaments. Um, this is actually when you get uh, what really becomes uh, what we call the Bible in modern times. Uh, this is put together under the Council of Nicaea. They decided, you know, which ancient texts belong and which ones did not. Now, this unifying trend has a lot of influence socially and culturally. Um, this is one of the big shifts as you get into monotheism. Uh, in polytheism, it didn't matter if your neighbor worshipped a different god. Um, as long as they were worshipping a god and you know, paying their taxes and paying the tribute to the gods of the town, uh, they were okay. Under monotheism, this changes. Not only do you have to be praying to the right god because they consider there's only one right god, you also have to be doing it the right way. Um, using the right kinds of prayers. So everything becomes more uh, uh, uniform and less, uh, less forgiving as far as religious practice. It becomes very uh, dogmatic. It becomes very much controlled. And so you have a culture that is much more um, unified, but it's also much less free in that you don't have the way, have the right to uh, worship the way you want or worship what you want. Um, wars often take on another edge under monotheism that they didn't have under polytheism. <clears throat> These become wars of conversion. You know, it's not only about power and land and 
money. It's also about spreading the faith of, of making everyone follow the same religion. And so it, it is a very different uh, political um, uh, power element to it. In fact, under monotheism is when you start to get the wars that become, uh, in, a, in a lot of cases, wars of extermination. Because there's sort of the belief that there's one God, there's one correct God, there's one way to worship that God, we do it right, so anyone who isn't is basically in league with the devil. They're in league with the other side. And so it's perfectly acceptable to kill them. These people are enemies of God. It's perfectly acceptable if they won't convert to simply wipe them out. Uh, and this is not something that you saw as much in the, in the polytheistic religions. Now, occasionally you would have a tyrant that would do that, but that was more of kind of an exception to the rule. Because generally when people were building empires, building kingdoms, they weren't interested in wiping out all of these other people. They wanted to be able to tax these people. They wanted to be able to have these people doing work for them, bringing wealth to them, expanding their empire. And to expand your empire, you need more people. Um, so there's a very different uh, political role that you see between polytheism and monotheism. Now, another area that you see a difference is in um, the individual level with polytheism and monotheism. And part of this is because there's a different, um, there's a different end goal for religion as far as monotheism versus most of the polytheistic religions. Very few of the polytheistic religions have a concept of an afterlife. Most of them when they do have a concept of an afterlife, it's not a particularly good place you're going to. Um, sort of one of the, probably the most positive ones that you could think of would probably be the, the Celtic religions. Their views of the afterlife were kind of like a, a view of reincarnation, uh, that the person was eternal, that the soul was eternal, and you survived beyond death, and you would be reincarnated into someone else. Uh, you would be born again. Uh, most of the other, uh, especially the ones around uh, Europe and the Middle East and the Mediterranean, uh, they were more, the afterlife was just kind of this dismal, gloomy place that you went and were kind of stuck there for all of eternity. So they're in the individual level, the monotheistic religions start to push the idea of personal salvation, the ideas of, you know, if you're a good person, uh, you'll be rewarded in the next life. Um, whereas this is something that didn't, like I said, exist as much in most of the polytheistic religions. Uh, most of them saw the afterlife as either nothing or not very pleasant. Uh, this also makes uh, for uh, individuals to be much more censoring of the people they're around. Now, in the polytheistic traditions, you pretty much would only be worried about the people you were around if they seemed like they were in danger of trying to overthrow the empire or cause some kind of uprising. Uh, then that might cause some kind of concern. Um, but with monotheism, you get more of a concern of what are these people doing with their personal life? Because there's the belief that while they may not be overthrowing the government, overthrowing the society, you know, they're, they're bringing evil into the community. They're bringing evil uh, into proximity with me. 
Uh, and so there, there tends to be a much more, uh, a much higher level of suspicion of your neighbors under monotheism. Uh, and this also creates systems that make for both more control and less control. And the reason it makes for more control is because whoever's in power has control over more than just the taxes you pay. Um, they, they have control over your personal life. They can have control over your sex life. They have control over your thoughts because in most of the monotheistic traditions, um, thinking is as bad as doing. Uh, so to think sinfully is as bad as doing something sinful. To speak about something that is sinful uh, is just as bad. So there's much more of a uh, control in every element of your life, in every area of your life. And part of what makes this a little more possible is you're tending to get societies that are much more concentrated in cities. Uh, a lot of the polytheistic religions are tied to nature much more, mainly because these are ma uh, largely agricultural civilizations. You know, most of the people in the civilization are farming. A lot of the monotheistic uh, traditions, um, yes, you still have farmers, you have to grow food and things like that, but the power structures are very much more interested in the city, uh, in things that are relating to city life. Um, and they're much more looking when it comes to as far as their farming, uh, they would much rather just conquer somebody who is a farmer and then take their crops uh, and, and feed themselves that way. So there's a very big shift from uh, the polytheists who are often very close to nature to the monotheists who are often very isolated from nature. And there's also a big difference in how nature is viewed. Now, the polytheists, I mentioned, you know, they saw everything in nature as having a spirit. But they also saw everything in nature as not belonging to them. Everything in nature belonged to nature. It belonged to the gods and goddesses. Um, we were simply using it for whatever time we have. Under monotheism, there's a shift in this way of thinking. Um, if you look at the passages even early in the Bible in Genesis, there's the idea that mankind is the owner of the world, and this is ours to do with as we please. And this idea of ownership creates a very different um, different uh, relationship between humans and nature. Uh, nature goes from something that we are in awe of and have to uh, navigate, have to, you know, sacrifice to the right gods or goddesses in order to be, um, uh, to be fruitful to something that we own and we are free to do with it, whatever we choose, as long as we follow the rules of the one God, you know, as long as we're not sinning, um, we have much more freedom to do what we want with the planet because there's an idea of we own the planet. Uh, the, the polytheists didn't have that idea. They had more or less the idea of we're here, uh, we're, we have spirits, everything has spirits, um, but we don't own this. Our, our, our ability to go beyond life is probably not there, and it's very limited, so we're not going to be able to take things with us. 
whereas um, a lot of the monotheistic beliefs are, well, it doesn't matter what happens in this world because it's the next one that counts anyways. You know, there's sort of a, a setting up of the next life is important, just don't sin, do what you're supposed to do, get through this life. Um, and and there's, a, there's a disconnect from nature. Okay, uh, I'm going to break off from there. I just wanted to kind of bring up some of the issues around polytheism and monotheism. Now, understand that there's a lot of this that is um, very much generalized. Uh, you'll always be able to go into different polytheistic religions and find exceptions. You'll be able to go into different parts of monotheism and find exceptions. Um, and that's one of the things that these... Uh, podcast should be doing for you is they should be sending you into these things to look, um, to explore more deeply the things that I'm talking about. You know, I give these to open doors the same way when you go to college, your professor isn't going to give you all of the information about whatever it is you're studying. They're going to open doors and the doors that you find the most interesting, those are the ones that you have to go into more depth on your own, do independent study, do more research on. So, you know, keep in mind as we're doing these podcasts, particularly the first season, that these are all opening the doors on ideas and just sort of getting you to look at things from slightly different perspectives. Okay, I hope all of you are doing well and I hope all of you are staying safe. Have a good night.